everyone. Thanks for tuning into the message podcast of French Church. My name is Alessandra. I'm one of the team members here, and we're so glad that you're joining us. It's been really encouraging to hear stories from people all over the country and the world who are listening in. We really hope that our messages are resonating with you. We also wanted to say thank you to those who are contributing to Friends Church. All of the things we're able to do, it's because of people who donate regularly. Even small, consistent gifts help a lot. If you haven't had the chance yet to give, I would encourage you to maybe think about doing that, especially if it's been beneficial in your own journey. To do that, it's really easy. Just go to our website, friendschurch.ca, and click on the Donate tab, or download our Friends Church app and click on the Give tab. Thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy this week's message. Awesome. This is good. We are how we treat each other. This is so true. This is really what we kind of built this whole thing on is uh, a way of life. Spirituality is not just a set of beliefs that you hold in your head. It's, it's about how we live and making our world better. Friends Church, that's why we exist. It's been encouraging this last little while, though it's been a difficult time worldwide during this pandemic. It's been great hearing from people who have been tuning in, some of us finding us for the very first time and listening, going back in our archives of our messages and, and um, studying and, and being a part of this thing called Friends Church and, and sharing with us their stories, their spiritual journeys. It's been you know, <laughs> it's been oddly so encouraging to hear the number of people that are tuning in and finding some kind of light in the midst of their own personal circumstance through the messaging of Friends Church. So we're grateful for that. Look at um, Friends Church is supported sheerly by the community of people that called themselves Friends Church. And we can't thank you guys enough every week. Um, people are signing on saying, look, it, we need a friend's church in our world. We need a, a spiritual gym that can challenge us to live better and brighter, more caring, more loving. And, and so your generosity is making a way for us to survive in these kind of dark times and, and take our message further and wider. And uh, as a team, we want to we thank you. If you're a part of our community, maybe you've just joined in, maybe you're, you're clicking on um, YouTube for the first time and listening to us this morning. I just need you to know that we're glad you're tuning in. And if you believe in what we're doing or if what you've seen, even the little bit that you've seen maybe, is something that's resonating in, inside of you, maybe you would consider joining the army of financial contributors to this thing. You can do it a number of different ways. You could go online on our website, friendschurch.ca. You could Download our app. I guess those are really your only two options at this point because you can't hit the black box here uh, in person. But if you would like to support us, uh, you can do that. Some will do it a one-time donation. Some will sign up so that monthly we will slip into your bank account or onto your credit card and gently, quietly pull the money and uh, use it for the purposes of expanding the message of Friends Church beyond just these four walls here. So if you would be open to that, you can sign up today. We'd love it. We'd uh, appreciate all your support. Thank you. Thank you to all of you who are generously making this possible. We're excited 
uh, a new day is dawning, and uh, we believe that Friends Church is going to continue in greater and greater measures of impacting people who will in turn make their world better. Look, at you're in for a good message this morning. Vince is up, and so although you can't clap for him in person, wherever you are, out in, in your bedroom, out on your deck, listening from your kitchen, maybe laying in bed, I want you to put a rousing applause together for the man, Vince Clausen. All right, yeah! He loves that one, doesn't he? Morning, everyone. My name is Vince. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate that. Um, today, I'm going to take us on a bit of a journey. So I'm going to start it kind of a little bit dark, and I'm going to bring it back up again. So let me just start by quoting a famous U2 song from Pride. Early evening, April 4th, a shot rings out in the Memphis sky. Free at last, they took your life, but they can never take your pride. It's a line that talks about um, the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King, one of the most influential players in the civil rights movement in the 60s. He probably single-handedly moved the civil rights discussion further than most people did. He was a Baptist minister, a black man, a family man, He cared deeply. He fought relentlessly for the cause he believed in. But he wasn't a perfect man. Are any of us perfect? You see, on April 4th, 1968, as he stood on his his balcony and the shot hit him, he didn't die immediately. They rushed him to the hospital for a surgery that he wouldn't save his life, but as they loaded him into the ambulance, a woman jumped into the ambulance with him. It wasn't his wife. Her name was Georgia Davis Powers. She would become the first black female senator of Kentucky. But on that day, she was King's lover. They'd spent the night together. It wasn't the first time. She cared deeply for him. He seemed to care deeply for her. And as it just seemed natural, as, as they loaded him into the ambulance, she jumped in to be with him. And someone from King's Camp grabbed her and pulled her out and said, you can't be a part of this. It will hurt his work. One of the close members of King's entourage, Ralph Abernathy, wrote later. He said, we all understood and believed in the biblical prohibition against sex outside of marriage. They were all married. It was just that King had a particularly difficult time with that temptation. As we learn more and more about King's life, King, the man who did so much good, was also King, the man who was flawed. And in our culture, right now anyways, the zeitgeist is if you're flawed, your work doesn't matter. But I think it's actually the opposite. 
becoming, this spiritual idea of maturing in our spirituality is realizing that yes, I am flawed and chances are so are you and definitely King was flawed and yet we still fight the good fight that we want to fight. You see, four years earlier, King's wife, Coretta Scott King, was home and she received a weird package delivered to the door. Manila envelope, she opens it up inside, it's an audio recording. It seems to be of King engaging in extramarital activity. And the letter that came along with was, was from the FBI. Now, let's just say this, the FBI probably shouldn't have been doing what they were doing. This was way outside of ethics. This was probably way outside of appropriate way to deal with situations around the complexity of race. But this is what they wrote. Can you throw it up for me, Kevin? The American public, the church organizations that have been helping you, Protestants, Catholics, and Jews, will know you for what you are, an evil beast. So will others who have backed you. You're done. There's only one thing left for you to do. You know what it is. You better take it before your filthy, fraudulent self is bared to the nation. They knew his secret. They were threatening to release it. This makes me ask the question of my life and I want to ask of yours. What if somebody was surveilling you and me? and captured all the horrible stuff, the bad decisions we've made, the stupid things we've done, the horrible things that happened to us, the times when our failures and our weaknesses and all that stuff caught up with us. What if they had a recording of that and threatened to release it? Man, when I think about what parts of my life, if it came to light, would destroy me. And you guys even know most, like, you know, divorce, blah, blah, fill in whatever blank you can. And there's still stuff you don't know. And there's stuff that the world around us doesn't know about us, but we know those deep, dark things inside of us, the secrets, the failures, the weaknesses. That's where King is. And this, this isn't a big deal if we just look at this and think, okay, so yeah, I made some mistakes in my life. I'm not happy about things. If it came to light, that'd be brutal. But look at what it does. For King, when he got this letter, they said he locked himself into a room and for days just thought about ending it, ending his life. In fact, they call it the FBI King suicide letter because King thought, the only way out is to kill myself. There's no way forward. And instead of being the man who did what Martin Luther King did, he contracted and made himself small, so small that he wouldn't even leave his hotel room. And it makes me think, how much of my life, how much of our lives, do our mistakes and failures cause us to contract? We see something outside of us go, oh, I wish someone would do something about that, but I couldn't do that. I wish someone would say something about that because that's not right, but whew, man, with what I've done, who's going to listen to me? 
And we take our lives and make them smaller and smaller because that voice inside of our head just keeps saying, who are you? Who are you to do anything about this? Jeff told an amazing story last week, a character named Jacob from the Bible. Jacob, the Hebrew word for that name actually means crooked. Jeff called him a trickster. This guy starts off his life by basically using his father's blindness to steal the inheritance from his brother. Like, (laughs) it's one thing to do, but like, he used his dad's disability to screw him over. And then he ran. Because if the FBI had a picture of that and everyone could see what he did, man. So Jacob, the trickster, has run for his life. He's hiding. He's living small. He doesn't want anything to do with his family. Man, he's scared spitless from his brother. Freaked out. And it makes me think the question, how much of us have, or how many of us have a little Jacob inside of us? The Bible isn't shy about these things. Jesus, one time a lady comes to him and says, hey, Jesus, can you help me out with something? And he says, no, I don't help people of your race. Not his finest moment. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, started off by oppressing the very people that he future championed. He was a bad guy. Moses, murderer, Abraham. Oh, man, Abraham's a mess. And then Jacob, the crooked one. Throughout the whole tradition, the Christian tradition, there's stories that start with this person has some skeletons in the closet. This person did bad things. This person, like Jacob, is crooked. And it makes me ask myself the question constantly, where's the Jacob inside of me that's crooked? The part that I'm ashamed of, the part that I'm scared you guys will find out about, the part that I'm scared anyone will find out about. And what does it do to us? How much of our world is impacted by us being small? Hiding from the world so they don't find out, you know, what's going on inside of us. But there's a way forward. I was reading a fantastic book. It's called Burnout by Emily Nagoski. You might know her from a book called um, Come As You Are. Just let me say, as an aside, if you're a female if you're sexual with a female, if there's anyone in your life who's female, if you have kids that are female, read the book. It's worth reading. It's that good. It's one of those books I read every couple years. But as she was working through this book, she realized burnout was actually a bigger issue. But then when she found burnout, what she found is this amazing study that speaks to what we're all dealing with right now. And it starts off by shocking the crap out of dogs. I want to know how scientists get away with doing some of this stuff. So here's the experiment. You take a cage, first one, you take a cage, you keep the cage door open, and then you put a dog inside the cage, tell it to stay, and then they electrify the floor of the cage. Not enough to kill the dog, but enough to shock him. So if you're a dog and there's an open door in front of you and someone shocks the floor, what do you do? You jump out, yes. Get the heck out of there and look back like, what the hell are you guys doing, seriously? 
That's normal behavior. But here's what they did. They took another group of dogs, they put them in the cage, and they closed the door. They locked the cage. And then they started shocking the dogs over and over and over. The dogs just cowered. They crapped themselves, they peed themselves, they whimpered. They just laid there because they couldn't go anywhere. What the scientists did was they said they forced helplessness. It's actually a state. They call it forced helplessness. It's when bad things happen and you can't get away. And here's why it's so important for this conversation. Because when they finally they finished shocking these dogs for a while, then they took that cage with a dog who'd been forced into helplessness, shocked constantly, and they opened the cage door. And they shocked the dog again. And what do you think happened? Nothing. Unlike a healthy dog that goes, whoa, I'm out of here. The dogs that experienced forced helplessness stayed in a cage with the door open, getting shocked. They could literally just step out. But in their brains, something has shifted. And here's why this is applicable to us. Because there's parts of our lives that we feel locked in by. I can't learn. I'm not good with money. I'm shit with relationships. Fill in whatever your blankets. It's the thing that you don't want the world to see. It's the thing that's the Jacob inside of all of us. And it's like a cage around us. And here's the deal. The door's open. We can just step out and live a different way, but we don't. We've learned forced helplessness. And so we're sitting in the cages that we've made, cowering, afraid of the world, not stepping out to do the things that we can do. The scientist said, okay, so we figured out how to create forced helplessness in a dog. But how do we get that dog to transcend that? You know the only way they found out to train that dog to step out of the cage? They reached in, grabbed the dog, shocked it, and then pulled the dog out physically. They kept doing it over and over again until finally it clicked to the dog, wait a second, I can get out. The researchers realized there's two things that you need to overcome forced helplessness. There's there's two things you need to transcend the cages of our lives. You need to make a decision to do it, and you need to do something physically. So let's put this in our lives. You're at a family gathering. It's always complex with family. Some of your family members are fighting like they always do. It hurts your soul to be in the presence of that. But your whole life you've been trained, you cannot leave, you cannot say anything, you just kind of sit there pretending it's not happening. That's forced helplessness. It's trained. The dog getting out of the cage says this. You know what, folks? I'm going to go. 
and you get it from the table, the table you've never left, and you go home. That's stepping out of the cage. It's seeing something around you that says, wait a second, I believe that's wrong. And instead of going, oh, I couldn't do anything about that. I'm this, I'm that, I'm a liar, I'm a cheater, I'm divorced. You know, if you knew all the crap in my life, if you knew what I've been doing right now, there's no way I could do any of this. No, no, that's forced helplessness. It's the voice of shame training you saying, you can't leave. The dog stepping out of the cage says this, wait a second, I'm not perfect. I've got baggage in my past or stuff right now. If you knew what was going on in my life, you wouldn't listen to me. And yet, I'm going to speak to that. I'm going to put money towards that. I'm going to step out and join a cause against that. That's stepping out of the cage. Jacob, he has this whole thing where he's living in, you know, in my brain, I can just see him. All of his life, he's got this voice in his head saying, you piece of crap, you stole your brother's birthright, you stole his inheritance from your blind father. How about you keep your mouth shut about anything ethical? How about you go in your corner and shut up? Right? Every time he wants to do something good, it's like, yeah, 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 you're crooked. You're a liar. He's stuck in this cage that he made, right? And finally he has this moment where he decides, I need to step out of this cage. I don't even know what causes it, but he has this moment where he's going, I'm going to go back to my brother. And he has this crazy experience with a person who is connected to the divine in some way. And at the end of the experience, the character says, Jacob, what's your name? And Jacob says, my name is crooked. My name is divorced. My name is failure. My name is bankruptcy. My name is, you know, queer. You name whatever the thing you're trying to hide, that's his name. And the character says, that's not your name anymore. Your name is someone who wrestles with God. Your name is someone who's connected to the divine. No more crooked. No more liar. No more adulterer. Martin Luther King had a choice to make. He'd made his cage. Too many people knew about it. Too many people knew that he was cheating on his wife over and over again. And that's the cage of his life. His infidelity sitting there holding him in. And you can see the, <laughs> the FBI is just shocking the crap out of him. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Because he's he has every reason to play small. Every reason. It's even worse than ours. It's if you don't play small, we're going to release this to the world. 
Your church is going to disown you. Your wife's going to leave you. All your notoriety is now going to turn against you and destroy you. And what does he do? Does he stay in that crooked little cage where he's playing small and he can't speak to all the injustices he's seen? Sure, he's making mistakes. And that doesn't change the fact that there's racial injustice happening all over the place. But King steps out of that cage. It takes him a while. He steps out. And the speech that he writes isn't actually, this one happens before, but it speaks to the goal that he was willing to step out of the cage for. He looked around him and said, this needs to change. Can you throw it up for me? He writes in his famous speech, I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves, the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will be one day, will live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I love this one. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racist, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words of interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. And for that dream... Martin Luther King stepped out of that cage. The question I want to leave us with today is this. Why would we step out of our cage? I've been sitting with this message for the last couple of weeks and I realized, okay, in a lot of my life, I don't have a cage, but man, relationally, I'm divorced. I'm not good at relationships. I'm all these things, right? And I can see it with my wife. I was sitting with her last night talking through this message. I can see myself playing small with her. She needs me to step up and I'm going, I can't. That cage around me, the door's wide open, but the cage around me just feels so comfortable. Even though I'm getting shocked, at least it's what I know. And yet she desperately needs me to step into something different. The world around needs me to step into something different. And so the question I have for you all is, what do you dream of? Because we can talk about stepping out of this cage as self-help. The cage sucks. We're getting shocked. (laughs) We're laying in our own feces. Not worth doing. It's worthwhile getting out of the cage. And that's self-help. And that's beautiful. But there's more. Because at Friends Church, we see us not as just individuals, but as individuals in a world around us. And our behavior and our actions can literally change the world around us. Martin Luther King changed civil society. It's not perfect, 
but man, did he push the ball down the field. My aspirations maybe aren't as big as King's, maybe yours are. Beautiful. But what does the world around you need? Does it need you to let go of the fact that you made errors in your life and step out and still try again? Try in a new way. Reach out in love. Does it need you to transcend the, the feelings of I am less than, I am not enough, I can't do these things? Does it need you to overcome that and say, no, 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 I will step out. I might not be good at this, I might not be the perfect person for this, but I am a person who can do something here. The reason Friend Church exists is to try and inspire each of us to step out of our cage so that so that we can make the world around us a better place our kids our partners our family members our our friends our colleagues people we don't even know issues where it's so big that you know we'll never see the people we touch if we're living in that cage we won't do any of it And the world around us will suffer for it. But if we're willing, like King did, to step out, like Jacob did, man, I'm a piece of crap, but there's more. There's more to my life. There's more to my influence. So as you sit here, Sit with that thing, the cage around you. Just feel it for a second. What is it? Learning disability. You know, something somebody said in the past. How you look. How you think. Can you see the cage doors open? You don't have to be stuck there. You can step out. In fact, the spiritual exercise, the thing that we're trying to become is people who step out of those cages and say, no, that will not define me anymore. I will not stay in forced helplessness. I will be a force for good in this world. There's this lady named Alison Armstrong. She's an author. I've never met her. I've taken her courses, read her books probably single-handedly has changed my life and how I see relationships more than anyone has. Because she was willing to step out of her cage. She started herself with a string of bad relationships, got married early, got divorced within a year. She said, no, no, no. I can learn something new here and I can share it with the world. Not because I'm perfect but because I'm willing to step out of my cage. If the Jacob story tells us anything, it's that none of us are perfect. And that doesn't matter. We can all step out of the cages of our lives and make a massive difference around you. So here's the last thing I want to ask. Martin Luther King wanted to change race relations in the States. 
Jacob became the father of nations. His new name was Israel. In fact, it's the word we still use to name the country that this was all based in. What is it in your life that makes you excited to get involved, that you feel like, I, I could do something there? I could make a difference. Is it a social cause? Is it a relationship that you need, that could, you know, could use your love? Why get out of your cage? Once you can see the why, getting out of the cage makes a lot more sense. I'm gonna leave us with this last line. May we realize that the cage door is open. It always has been. And we can just step out. May we realize that we have something to offer the world, something the world desperately needs. May we realize that we have the power to make the world around us better if we're willing. And may we realize that the world, our world, the people around us, the people we love, are desperately in need for what we have to offer. I want to invite you to step out of the cage today. I'll end by saying Jeff's up next week. He's doing a message on the spiritual practice of overcoming when we're hurt. Working through it, forgiving all those pieces. It's one of the pieces of this puzzle we need. Have a great week, everybody. See you next week.